Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So today we're going to pick up on uh, in the second week of this series that Tony started this last week. And I believe God has something that will help us today in, um, in how we live tomorrow and our approach to some things. And so, aren't you thankful for how practical the Word of God can be to our life? And so, can you just agree with me as, as uh, we approach the Word of God again today? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your care to everybody. We have come together today to worship you, which we've done. We've worshipped you in our singing. We've worshipped you in our giving. We've honored you in our love for one another. But your words to us make all the difference in the world. And we, we scoot up to the table that you have prepared for us. And we ask you to help us to receive what you have and to honor what you have for us today by being a, a doer of it in Jesus' precious name. And if you can agree with that, say, Amen. Amen. All right, so what uh, we are calling this is every need, and the little words up at the top, my and my God will supply, not just some need, most need, somebody else's need, but every need. That is a pretty strong word. Um, you know, uh, Philippians 4.19, if you just look at the verse of Scripture, the whole verse of Scripture, um, it says, and my God will supply every need, every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, supply every need. Can we just say every need? You know, um, if God hadn't said that, I mean, if that wasn't in the Holy Bible, it would be a bit audacious to, to even think you could have something like that. You'd be thinking it was a bit extreme to hope for something that nice. But God said, or it's written in the Word of God, every need. A lot of times, you know, if there's a professional service that's given, they'll give you a contract or something, but there's a little disclaimer down at the bottom, and it says, this doesn't mean this. It also doesn't include that. Uh, a voucher, a voucher that you get, and it looks so good, because all the big letters and all the things that are in color, a great voucher, and then you read the little words down at the bottom that says, this is only valid on Mondays at 15 till 5. Who goes to some place at 15 till 5? So the voucher doesn't even work for you. Or have you looked at a voucher sometime and, and, uh, and you notice when it's valid and you see that the date has already expired? 
It would have been nice had you gotten it before. I know Tony and I get mail from our office in the States. And at times, um, we've gotten some really nice vouchers uh, when they send a box of mail to us from the States. uh, But it's about three months old. And so it really doesn't do us any good. And so this is a wonderful promise. Philippians 4.19 is is an amazing promise. But there is no disclaimer on the bottom that it is doesn't include this need. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't include you. It doesn't include um, you if you're this age, you're too young or you're too old or you're too single or you're too married. It doesn't, ha- it, there's no disclaimer. It's every need and it's according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, Psalms 23 gives us a wonderful verse of Scripture. And if you're here and know that verse of Scripture, uh, do you mind just joining me just to say Psalms 23 and verse 1? Ready? Here we go. The Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. In fact, the deal is, is if the Lord is your shepherd, if the Lord is leading you, If the Lord is guiding you, then the Lord is providing for you. And so today, we're going to look a little bit about that. And if there is the shepherding going on in our life, if he is actually able to shepherd our life or lead us and guide us, there will always be provision in that area. In fact, it is so much so that way that if there is an area where there isn't provision, it is lacking his guiding. It's lacking his input. And so we're going to just look a bit at that. Now, when we talk about every need, uh, and especially from Philippians 4, 4 chapter and verse 19, the context of that promise is financial. It, it, his promise actually right there is dealing with finances. But um, because it says every need, um, and we know that there are other needs other than finances in our life, we're going to just look at that. And because God is the provider, not just of finances, but of every need, we're going to look at what that means. What are the kind of needs that we could face in our life? I have identified seven major needs in our lives. Seven major ones. And also put them in priority according to what I've seen in in the scripture. So the needs that would be in our life. And so if you could look at the very first one here. The very first need is spiritual. Now, (laughs) even though... The, the first need is spiritual. It is not necessarily a felt need. This particular need is a need for every single human has this need, a spiritual need. 
But because it isn't a felt need, and what, what I mean a felt need, it may not be something that your body feels or that your intellect connects with. So it, there may not be a pain or a bill or uh, something else screaming in your life need. Because it isn't a felt need, sometimes people don't perceive that need. But let me just tell you how important and the reason why this need is number one. is because in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and you can write these down if you'd like, but Hebrews, the ninth chapter, it, verse 27, it says this. It is appointed unto man, every man wants to die. It is appointed unto every man wants to die. Everybody that's alive is going to die. Everybody is going to die. But the verse goes on to say this. After that death is the judgment. So what, what felt needs are, which we're going to look at later, you know, as we go on, what felt needs are have to do with what you're experiencing in this life. But even if you live long, Tony's dad, we just got to see him in July, which that trip was really nice. Thank you for your prayers. That the trip was really wonderful. We got to see our families and it was a treasured time. But his dad is 89. That's pretty old. That's really pretty old. Um, it, and, but his dad said he's planning to keep living. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking around. And he's kind of gotten robust about it, you know. Uh, there's people that live past a century. But even if you were to live a century, that is only, that is only a hairbreadth in comparison to the eternity that you live after you breathe your last breath here. So you live, you may live a hundred years in this body, but when this body dies, your spirit does not. It is going to go someplace. And so what Hebrews tells us is that all of us are going to die. But where are you going after you do? Well, that's why the spiritual need is the most. It's either eternity with God or eternity separated from him. And think about it this way, guys. If God is love, pure love, there's all kind of variety of stuff that's so tainted and selfish and not true. But God is love, God is life, and God is light. That's why, how the Bible describes him. Love, life, and light. To be eternally separated from love, to be eternally separated from light, to be eternally separated from life, that's why it is hell. But to be eternally uh, with him, of course, you know how beautiful that is heaven. There is a place called heaven. But what makes heaven so heaven is him. Isn't that true? How beautiful. So spiritual need, even if it isn't felt, you can't feel it in your body, it doesn't weigh on your brain necessarily or whatever, it's not demand at your job. Spiritual need 
is priority. All right, so John 3, 16, there's a provision. God, remember, remember, uh, John, uh, it, we're saying that God supplies every need. Well, he supplies spiritual need. We don't have to leave it up to us to wonder and wonder what's going to happen after the last breath here. So, John 3, 16. Now you can say it with me. Let's do it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, have everlasting life. So he gave his own son to provide a way for us to have eternity and have life with him. Let's look at the second need. The second need, again, it's not a felt need. It's not a felt need. Wisdom may not be something that you feel um, uh, or that, you know, you, you may know that you need more uh, information about something or something. But the wisdom, how perfect and wonderful wisdom is. Proverbs, the third chapter, you can write this verse down. Third chapter, verse 13 to 15, tells us that wisdom is more valuable than a, a treasure of silver and gold. Finding wisdom is like finding something more valuable than silver and gold. When I was raised um, in Colorado, uh, my dad liked to, to hike in the mountains and, and climb and stuff, and so he started us off quite young. And uh, my mom would pack us a, a little sack lunch and stuff and send uh, Gypsy, our dog, with us. And uh, us kids would take off on our own and do a lot of hiking up in the mountains. It was always kind of like uh, a dream or a fun thing to, to try to find a hidden cave. We were looking for maybe a cave that um, maybe robbers back in the you know, the cowboy and Indian days or something that maybe hid some treasure. And you see it in a movie, so you just hope it's going to happen to you. We did find some caves. We had to crawl, you know, crawl in very precarious places to find it. We found some caves. <clears throat> and somebody had found it too. And so there was some cans. <laughs> some cans and some, you know, burnt logs and a little bit of trash and stuff. That, that was the treasure, but it, <clears throat> that was about as much as we found. But we always thought it would be the coolest thing to come on a treasure. Greater than that treasure, greater than the treasure that the people, you know, uh, the deep sea dive for sunk ships, sunken ships. See, if I, if I could do that, that would be, I like that kind of thing, but not... It, do it on a mountain. I couldn't do it in the water. But anyway, um, wisdom is like finding a treasure that is greater than silver or gold or, or gems. And yet, and yet, sometimes without the Bible helping us to know that it is the principal thing. It's the thing to cry out for. More than crying out for silver and gold and fame. No. Ask for wisdom. God knew it was so important to us. Wisdom was so important to us. That with a list of four things. That when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. 
Wisdom is a part of those four things. Listen to the other three. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. How important are those three things? Oh my, wisdom is the fourth. Well, actually, the wisdom is, is written in there the first. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He supplied wisdom in Christ. Okay, so wisdom gets place number two. Then three, soul. You say, well, why is soul up above body? Why did we put soul three? To have a healthy soul, to have a healthy mind and emotions is really, really important. It's more important, actually, it's a greater need, uh, actually, than your body because even if you have a, a, a physical need in your body, a, a sickness in your body, you can treat the symptom with maybe, maybe all different kinds of treatment, uh, prescriptions, maybe even operation, all kind of different kind of treatments. But if you don't square the soul around, if the, if the mess that's in the soul isn't fixed, sickness will pop out in your body again. Because much of sickness does not originate organically in the body, biologically in the body. It originates in stuff going wrong in your soul. So do you, we need help in the soul? And he said, he meets all our need or every need according to his riches and glory. He's thinking about your soul. It's not just thinking about you need a new pair of shoes. He's thinking about your soul because a healthy soul is going to help you have a healthy body. All right? So the, body, the, the Bible tells us this in Psalms 23. Here's another verse in Psalms 23. After he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he goes on to say this. And this is so beautiful. He says, he restores my soul. It's one of the great things. The great shepherd, the provider does for us. He tends our soul. He restores our soul. Then let's go on to the next one down. And, um, and that's physical. <laughs> he meets all our need. All our need. Well, part of that need is in our body. It, that need is so important to God. Sometimes we can over... Some people have a high pain tolerance and can manage some things in their body and, you know, ignore some things in your body. But God did not ignore anything amok in your body. God didn't. Because he didn't make our body for, for there to be things broken down and things wrong. For him to supply the need for our body, he doesn't just bless our body. He actually had to take our pains, our infirmity, the weaknesses of our body, and he put it on Jesus to carry. And how he did that was when they beat his back. His, our weaknesses and pains came on Jesus' back. He carried that for us. Isn't that a beautiful provision? Well, 
just like any kind of medicine, medicine doesn't do you good unless you take it. And so that provision has to be taken. We do it together as a church family when we take communion, but you can take healing every single day. You can take healing so that you stay healthy rather than getting sick and then, you know, and all. So there is a physical healing. Then in 1 Peter 2.24, we know this, uh, by his stripes Can we just say that again? By, personalize it. I am healed. Okay, good. Let's look at relational. Um, A lot of work went into making sure we who couldn't get up, get back to God on our own anymore. There was nothing we could do to get back to God. So Jesus came and got us and brought us back to God. So things are reconciled this way. But it's not okay okay with the Father God for things to be okay this way and for things to be wacky this way with your friends, family. It's not okay. For God to meet every need, it includes relational. So there are relational needs as well. How many of you have a testimony of a broken relationship that has been restored. Raise your hand. Wave it if you're happy. Okay, so for those of you who are still looking for some things to be restored, that is hope for you. If he's ever done it for one, he's got it supplied for you too. Ephesians, the first chapter in verse 6 says this about God. It says that we are accepted in the beloved. Well, that's one of the names of Jesus, okay? One of his names is beloved, beloved. But Jesus is the head of a body. So when he says he is, you are accepted in him, that means you are accepted in a body of believers. Oh, the devil hates that because what he can do, he can pick you off easy if he can isolate you. You are accepted in the beloved, uh, he'll, he'll taunt you and make you feel like you don't belong. But this verse of scripture, Ephesians 1, 6 says, you do belong. So say this, I belong. I belong. You belong in him and you belong in his body. There is connection for you in his body. And there is relational help and need being met. He supplies that need. All of these things could be a whole sermon. All of these needs could even be a whole series. But we just want to show that there are all kinds of different needs when it says that he meets our need, our needs, every need. He means it. Every need. Any need a human can have, he meets it. Then we go on to the financial. Yeah. Does he meet financial needs? According to the Bible, he does. According to the Bible, he does. There are more verses of Scripture about financial uh, things concerning finances than there is about the subject of prayer in the Bible. And so it's a big thing. It's an important thing. And 3 John, the second chapter, it's very, very clear, abundantly clear. No one can be confused about this. It says, I... Desire above all things that you prosper. 
Say, God wants me to prosper. Says, I desire above all things that you prosper. And he, he doesn't just put full stop there. He says, and be in health. And he doesn't even stop there. Says, even as your soul prospers. He wants all of us healthy and whole and flourishing and fruitful. Okay? The last thing is material. Does God care about material things? Well, material things aren't number one, and they aren't number two. According to maybe your child, um, material things could be number, at least maybe number two. They need that toy. I need that phone. I need a phone. I, I need it. Well, you see what I mean? There are things that are more grave and more important. But to just then scrap and just say that God doesn't, doesn't want to supply material needs, you'd be taken away from the Bible because here in, in Psalms 84 and verse 11, you can write that down if there's some material need that you have. It says, no good thing will he withhold to them that walk uprightly. Thing. No good thing. And then again, in, in 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, in verse 17, it says that he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, yet last week, Tony was talking about, about having your needs met and, and God supplying things and, and having an abundance of money where you're able to buy things, but things can become gods. What do you mean? I don't fall down and worship. Anything that you put before him, the Bible calls it a god. Whoa. So you wouldn't want anything to edge its way up in priority as far as what you a need in your life. No. But does God supply material things? Yes, he does. And as his children, he doesn't want us in any way diminished. He wants us abounding so that we have the ability to give and to be a blessing and to share and to be hospitable. All right? Now, how does God provide? Here's a question. How does he provide? We know he does. He provides the seven main areas in our life. But how? Okay. Well, he, he does. There is record in the Bible and other testimonies as well. That he does. He, he can provide supernaturally. Like directly. God. Without a human involved anywhere. The children of Israel, for instance, this is an example, in the wilderness, um, it was a desert land, and they had no water, and they were about to die of thirst. And so they cried out. Moses then went to God and said, what are we going to do? You know, we've got these, these hundreds and thousands of people here with no water. And he said, the Lord said, hit that rock. And you know what? Water came out of a rock. 
Does God have the ability to bring provision out of a rock? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, why didn't Jesus command the stones to become bread then in the, in the wilderness when the devil was tempting him? Because God didn't tell him to do it. Something else was tempting him to turn bread, stone into bread. Jesus didn't look to any other thing for provision other than his father. Aren't we thankful? So yes, God can make provision out of nothing. They were hungry in that same wilderness. They had no food. What did God do? Well, heaven made bread. And every morning, they picked up bread. Amazing. came out of the sky. You say, blessings just can't just fall from you out of the sky. Well, it did those people, that whole nation of people. Blessings fell on them. Okay, but that is not the common way that God provides our needs. It's not common. It exists, but it's not common. What does God, how does God commonly provide then? He uses channels. He uses channels. What are channels? Channels are means that his provision gets to you. Actually gets to you. So we've got some examples here. Here's a paper cup. A paper cup, not, not beautiful, after one use, you'd toss it, especially if there was lipstick on it. But you, you, you don't use it, you don't keep it, you don't save it, you don't prize it. It was just used. And sometimes there are some channels, mm, just, that's just, but notice even the, it doesn't even look valuable. But let me ask you a question. If you are really, really thirsty, would you refuse water if it came to you in a paper cup and insist that it had to be looking like I only take my water in gold? Of course not. Sometimes when God, God's channels, we think, I don't want it like that. It can't come that way. I don't want it through that person. Or I don't want it coming that way. A lot of times his channels may not be your preferred channel. Or the way you think it's going to come. Let's look at some of these other channels. This one would probably be in your bathroom. Look at the next one. That's probably, it, it may not look exactly that way. Yours may be more clever than that, but it looks like that. That one's on the outside of your house. So the one was in the bathroom, the other's in the kitchen. That's on the outside of your house, and that's not in your house. <laughs> but I found it, I really, really liked that. I thought, who has that? Actually, because, you know, I Googled, uh, I Googled faucets, and, um, and images, and uh, there are some amazing works of art 
to get water into your kitchen, into your, into your uh, bathroom, into, into any place in your house where there's... But now, all of those are different means. They're all channels. Do, do we even have a hose? Do we have another picture? Oh, oh, there's one. So there's all kinds of different channels. Now, what could those channels be to us then? When God supplies all your need, it could be a person you know. And again, we're not just talking about money or material things. We're talking about getting wisdom to you. We're talking, we're talking about all of these wonderful things. Help to you in your soul. Help to you in your, in your body. God uses, God uses doctors. God uses people with wise counsel. All right? Those are channels. He, but it could be people you know. It could be that one of those channels could be somebody you don't know from anybody. He could use somebody you don't know. This morning, I didn't have it in my nose, but I remembered it. I remember, I remember when Tony and I went on our honeymoon to Italy um, 28 years ago. And in that honeymoon, we went to uh, we went to Naples. Now, I don't know if anybody's been to Naples before, but in Naples has a group of people there that have particular skills, and they can, while they're smiling at you and engaging you in friendly conversation, making you think that you they are your best friend. They are flat robbing you blind, and you leave them and you say. Such a good guy. And you check, where's my wallet? Where's my, where's my watch? Where's, and, and they have absolutely robbed you blind. Okay, so we were there. We had um, been over to the island of, of Capri. And then we'd come back. We were in this train station. And, I, and there was, uh, we had our luggage. Um, <laughs> we had so much luggage. What was wrong with us? <laughs> oh, so stupid. You know, we, uh, yeah, I'm so thinking. And he had to carry it all because he was the man on the, on the honeymoon. Anyway, bless your heart, hon. So, uh, but we had all of this luggage. And so we were needing to, to transfer it. And, and uh, I left my purse on the cart. And we had both, we had all the other luggage over here, and I left the cart over there. This is in the train station in Naples, okay? And I'm about, about this distance from here to the pulpit with my husband, you know, we're um, um, my new husband, and we're talking and dealing with the luggage. And this old man comes up to me, Luke, come up to me and bring your Bible. I bring my, because uh, I don't have my purse. And bring Elizabeth Rose's purse. Bring, go bring Elizabeth Rose's purse. Look at she's zipping it up. No, I'm kidding. He's not Nopplin Todd, I'm telling you. Okay, you're gonna be me and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that old man. He came up to me and I was just busy talking to my husband. He came up to me and he put this in my arms and he put my arms around it. And because, you know, he spoke Italian and I didn't, he, he said, 
he pointed back to the cart and he said, and he just gave me the message, keep your purse in your arm. Okay, you can take that back to, okay. Sometimes the, the supply that God gives you, um, that old man didn't give me a purse. He gave me my purse. And the supply was a supply of protection. So sometimes we're looking for one kind of channel and for one kind of blessing, but we're not really realizing that the supply and the provision can be so multifaceted if we are not just looking, you can go back to those pictures again, if we're not looking at the channels. Why does God have multiple channels instead of just one into our life? I'll tell you why. Because whatever channel gets used the most in your life, you start fixating on it and looking at it with expectation that should only go on God. Think about all of these things, run back up and down, all of these different channels of water in your house. There's only one supply to your house. One water supply to your house, but once it gets to your house, the, there's so many different channels. It comes out in your bathroom. It comes out not just in the sink, but in the shower and in, in the toilet. It comes out in the, in the kitchen sink. It comes out in the, in the lawn. It comes out all kinds of different places. There's all kinds of different channels of water that are dispensed in our house. God has different channels in our life because what our human tendency is is a channel that is used in our life, we'll grab onto it. And it becomes, instead of a channel, it becomes a source. Well, let me tell you, none of those pictures up there are a source of water. They're a channel of water. Do you see the difference? Also, by knowing that there's different channels in your life, it helps you to quit just thinking, paycheck, is the only thing that happens in my life. Oh, too narrow. Channels. Channel. Blessings can come in so many different ways. In the area of finances, let me just list the areas of finance, because finances and material things aren't the only needs in your life. Advice can come from somebody that you would be shocked that it could come through. Good wisdom can come through a child. Well, just because it didn't come through a professor, it didn't come through the pastor, for somebody that you, that you prefer, doesn't mean you rubbish the provision. Let's accept the provision through any channel. Do you understand? God, help us to prize and recognize the provision through any channel. In the area of finances, however, the channel can be a job. That's a common channel. It's a channel. Because in addition to a job can come a gift, gifts, benefits, sales. Has anybody come on to some sales that you just thought, okay, they made that for me? Yeah. Idea. God can give ideas. Um, promotion can be promoted through, and then also nature. 
animals, favor the government. God bless Australia. Australia has some amazing benefits. Let me just tell you, in the countries of the world, this country is exceedingly blessed. Amazingly blessed. Just even the health care is astounding. I've cried about the health care in this country, not in a sad way, but with doctors saying, you, you can't imagine how blessed this is. They say, really? Yeah. It's not just everywhere. But are they God? Are they the provider? No, they are a source, or they are a channel of the source, okay? So we don't look to Australia as God, talking about the government. It's a channel, all right? Now, let's go back to Philippians 4.19. Uh, let's go to, excuse me, let's go to um, Isaiah 48 in verse 17. Isaiah 48 in verse 17. Now, this provision that comes from God, while it's profuse and always, is it automatic? Well, the water that comes on in your kitchen has to be accessed. It's got to be drawn upon. And so, this provision from God is the same way. Let's look at this verse of Scripture. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. Most translations, instead of saying teaches what is good for you, because Religiously thinking, we can think, yeah, well, when God says he knows what's good for me, it's going to be bad. How sad. Because what God knows is good for us really is good for us. He means it. But most of the translations, instead of saying what is good for you, he says, I will teach you to profit. Well, I thought, really? I'll teach you to profit. I looked at, I looked at so, as many translations as possible and found that, that is the most common way that that Hebrew word was. In other words, God meant it. He teaches you to profit. Well, what does that mean? Well, to profit, here's the advantage, here is the word. It is an advantage, a benefit, to gain. He will teach you to gain. He will teach you to advantage. And he will teach you how to benefit. Who would like to learn how to do that? I'm, I'm talking about in all the areas of our life. To do. And another translation says to succeed. Sign me up for that. To succeed. What's the opposite of succeed? In other words, if there's an area of failure, we're in a position in that humbled state to not be bullheaded and say, no, I can do it. No, in that humbled state of failing, say, teach me. Because when he teaches us, it is to succeed. It is to profit, okay? He wants us to succeed he wants us to show us how to do things and how to think. 
and his godly ways. Tony was talking last week about, his, about the wealth of the wicked. What does that mean, wealth of the wicked? Wicked people can prosper. Yeah. The wealth of the wicked, according to the Bible, they've achieved their wealth through wicked means, through embezzlement, through stealing. You can get rich stealing. Oh, my. You follow that line of teaching in the Bible, and you'll find that that does not go well. It may help, people may live well, but they may lose their health getting that kind of wealth. They can lose their family getting that kind of wealth. They lose their minds getting that kind of wealth. They lose their marriages getting that kind of wealth. Who wants to get that kind of wealth at that kind of price? Well, we don't. Godly ways, godly ways of profiting aren't just exclusive to Christians. They're godly ways. They're the way God thinks. There's people that aren't, aren't born again. And they come across these ways and they work. They work for anybody. They're laws that just work. What's sad though is if God's own children don't know those ways. And so he's saying, let me teach you to profit. Come learn. If you've done something the same way for a long time, if there's an area of gap in your life, come learn. All right? So let's go back to this verse of Scripture in the Amplified. Look at what it says. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go, oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments, then your peace and your prosperity would have been like a flowing river. Woo! Not a spurt. Not whoop. one time in six months, God does something wonderful, or you recognize a provision in your life someplace. No, a flowing river. That speaks of consistency, a flow. Something's coming in, something's going out. A flowing river. But it doesn't just say prosperity, it also says peace. It comes like a flowing river when God teaches us. So, he teaches us. He teaches us to profit. Sometimes in teaching you to profit, he teaches you where the hole is in your pocket. He doesn't just teach you how to get. He teaches you what you're doing in your life or in your thinking that is a hole in your pocket. Because sometimes there is supply. But the way we're spending the way we're thinking, the way we're doing, it's going out the bottom. Actually, the Bible has to talk about, has, has specifically talks about holes in your pocket. We don't have time to go there. God wants to help us learn to manage our money, our time, our emotions, so that all things in our life we can increase, succeed. Now let me ask this final question. This final question. Often in the Bible, where it comes to Ephesians 4.19, he will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. As we said before, this scripture in context has to do with money. It does. And it's also connected with giving. 
Philippians 4.19 has, is connected also to giving. Is, is his meeting our need always connected with giving? N- not always. But most often in scripture there is a connection. Why? Why? Does God want you to pay for his provision? Is giving an offering a payment to him? Well, let's look at it this way. Giving is a way, and you can put this up, giving is a way of putting your faith in God as your provider. Instead of those channels, those, those dispensers, Instead of your attention being there, giving in faith or in trust can actually be a means where you look up from those channels to the source. So Hebrews 11th chapter tells us that faith was a gift, was giving an offering. If your, if your trust and if your faith is locked into um, a faucet, a tap, instead of the source. How do you get it off? How do you get it up? Giving becomes that means, and it can become that means. Giving is a way of putting your faith in God as your provider. Giving is a worship of God and an honor of his kingdom. Look at this next one. Giving is an indicator, not the indicator, but it is an indicator of spiritual health and the thermometer of your heart's devotion to God. I have found in times when my giving has, my my dad taught us kids, he had five kids, has five kids, and he knew that he wouldn't be our provider our entire life, that we would grow up. And he also believed that we would do things in our life that would require more money and more material and more uh, provision than what he could ever give us. So he connected it as a very small age, a young age, with God. And the the way he connected us with God, he connected us as tiny little kids with giving. And giving in the right way, not payment, not duty, but I trust you, God. With this offering, I am saying, I trust you. With this offering, I'm saying, you're my source. That no matter where I am, where I go in the world, no matter what the need is, I look to you. Recently, in, in, in a situation in my body, and I had a physical need in my body that you're aware of, I looked to my source. You're my healer. Did he use channels to help me? Yes, he used doctors. I was so grateful for them. I was so thankful for them. But he's my great physician. I've needed his wisdom. Every day. So... At times when my giving has lagged, I've identified that sometimes it's been because of um, selfish, 
I, I identified that this last week. There was some, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's embarrassing to tell you. Last week, n- n- not 20 years ago, just last week. And I thought, mm, I've got that. I want it. Why? Mine. I'm just so thankful, though. When you look back at his word, it helps you to realize that everything he has is mine. And everything that he has, he gives to me so that I can give. So good. Selfish, fearful. Sometimes you can be afraid and hang on. Sometimes you're ignorant of his promise. Sometimes holding back is an indication, a thermometer, an indication of spiritual coldness which can warm up when you use your heart right in connecting with God. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> can you put this, this um, confession up that we can say together? Rather than just ever giving, let, let's do something more than that. It's not just your money that God wants. It's your trust because then, whoo, when he does this, he can open up channels. And he can show you channels that he's already been using and that we're missing. He can also teach us to profit. So giving can be right. You put your offering in your hand. Um, Could you please hand me that right there? Yes. Yeah. So let's just say this is an offering. You put this in your hand before you plop it in the basket. And you say this. Can we just all say this together? Let's just say this as an example. Say it together. Dear God in heaven, I believe you are a good and giving God. I am grateful for every channel of blessing to my life. My trust, however, is not in any of those channels for every need to be met. You are my God, and I acknowledge you today as the provider of all my needs. Teach me to profit. Show me your thoughts and ways so that peace and prosperity will flow from my life like a river. Let's go on and let's look at this next one. You can pray this over your offering. You can say these kind of words over your offering and change it from just money to actually a tool of trust in God. All right? So say this together. My offering today is an expression of how much I love you, of how much I honor your kingdom. My offering today is an expression of how much I trust you. And sometimes when I have said that, it's affected the way I've given. Because I thought, no, I love God more than that. I trust God more than that. I worship God more than that. Okay, I want to... Again, it makes it faith so that God can bless you. Guys, if you can come. What I, what I thought I would do uh, as far as giving us opportunity to respond to his word, you can, you can put this into practice next week or all through this week. As, as you uh, go from day to day. 
But also in the back, um, there are some offering baskets. We're not passing off. This is not about an offering. This is about an opportunity for you to elevate your trust in God. Uh, we also will have one up here if you want to do it. But if there is just in your heart like, okay, I want to respond to that. Father, I, I want my trust. I want, to, I want to express my trust, my devotion, my confidence in you. And I want you to teach me. I want you to teach me to profit. Praise the name of the Lord. And so he will. And your life can be enriched and changed. All right? So, but I'd like right now for us to bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you for every life, for every family represented, for every business represented. Father, I acknowledge the channels that you have arranged for the people in this room. Thank you for your abundant care. Thank you for the channels that have been recognized. I also thank you for the channels that haven't been recognized. I ask you that you would help us open our eyes to see that you are always wanting to bless us every single day and in so many ways. In Jesus' name, open our eyes. Now, Father, about this, uh, this high priority, the highest priority need, the spiritual needs, spiritual need. If there's somebody here today and that truth, ooh, it's appointed to every man wants to die. And they're not sure where they would go if they were to breathe their last breath here. And this life is finished. They do not know where they would be in the next life. They don't know that everything is right between them and you. Father, I ask that today they take your provision. They're a provision of Jesus and the work that he did for them. I also pray, Father, for anybody who has gone away from you and, and just ended up living, thinking, doing things that is not what they want. And they just want to come home. Help them to know that they're accepted in the Beloved today. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.